Well, good morning, everyone. Man, what a great crowd. Wasn't worship awesome this morning? And you could sense the presence of God. Wow, we are super, super excited that you're here with us today. If you're a guest, my name is Jared Mang, and I want to welcome you today. I also want to welcome our campus that's not in the room. We have people today in Hollywood, San Fernando, Modesto, Portland, Inglewood, Denver, Corona, Lake Forest, Newark, New Jersey, Long Beach, La Habra, Chicago, Wichita, Kansas. Come on, welcome our online community. Isn't that great? Wow. We're so excited you're with us. We've been in a series called The Kingdom, and if you have a Bible and you want to turn, or your, wherever you get your source of Scripture, your phone, iPad, whatever, go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. While you're going there, you know, I like to start with a joke or something funny, and so today, rather than telling a joke, I want to show you some signs. I found some church signs that I think are really pretty interesting and funny. Here's the first one. This is a real church sign. Blessing of the animals. Barbecue after the service. How many know that's a little bit strange right there? I, like, do I really bring them or not? Okay, how about this one? Ch- choose the bread of life or you are toast. I mean, I don't know if that's what we want to say. Okay, how about this? I love this one. God is rich because he saves. Deep thoughts, right? How about this one? I was addicted to the hokey pokey, but I turned myself around. And then how many know every once in a while, you know, there's good intentions, but they didn't really think it through. I think this guy needs some prayer and a little bit more education. One cross plus three nails plus one resurrection equals forgiven? Five, four, I don't know if he quite got that right. Well, you know, today, here's the thing. I believe God does have a message that he wants to share. He wants to speak to all of our hearts. And so I want you to stand to your feet, if you will. All of you joining us online, if you want to do that in your home, why don't you stand right there? We're going to read Matthew chapter 4. We've been talking about the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Jesus began his ministry, and this was his theme. So let's read together. You ready, everyone? Let me hear you loud. From then on, Jesus began to preach. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Realize he started his ministry, and he talked about the kingdom. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, those are interchangeable. I don't know about you, but I want God's kingdom to begin to grow in and through my life. So why don't you close your eyes? I know that many of you have that same prayer. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We we know that you're in this room. As we were worshiping, we could sense the presence of God. Lord, you're here, and I pray that Lord, as we learned a few weeks ago that sometimes the seed falls on hard ground so it doesn't bear any fruit, the the birds come and steal it. Lord, so many things choke out the, the word, choke out your kingdom in our lives, but we want it to grow, we want it to thrive, so we just surrender to you. Why don't you just say this, say, Holy Spirit, I surrender to you. Speak to me. Now you take just a second, connect with God in your own way. Lord, have your way in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. 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 You may be seated. We've learned that the kingdom has come. Jesus said the kingdom is at hand. It's here today. I, I love this definition of the kingdom because the kingdom of God is the rulership of Christ in the life of a Christian. 
It's really what the kingdom of God is. It's releasing God's rulership in our lives as believers. So Jesus, when he talked about the kingdom, he would often use parables or stories. And in these stories, he would draw some examples or parallels to the kingdom of God. And so today I want to continue to talk to you about the kingdom. A couple of weeks ago, we learned as we were talking about the kingdom, the parable of the sower, we learned this simple principle, and that is the kingdom comes to a receptive heart. Sometimes the heart is hardened and the birds steal it away before the seed can penetrate the soil. Cares of life choke it out or the rocks, right? We have shallow hearts and when trials come, the seed is pulled out and dies. The second thing we learned in week two in the parable of the weeds, we learned that the kingdom comes to a wise heart. We learned the importance of having a wise heart. We looked at that parable and it helped us see how God dealt with the release of the kingdom. He waited until the time was right to separate the weeds from the wheat. And we learned that the scripture teaches us that a wise heart knows that there's a proper time and a proper procedure for everything. So it was really a parable about leadership and about the, the end time. Today, I want to give you the next parable, and we're going to look at the two examples Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 13. Let's take a look. Here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in the three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. I want to give you three points today from this parable. And and it may seem simplistic this weekend as we talk about this parable, but we need to understand the significance of what Jesus is saying. Point number one is simply this. Write this down. The kingdom begins with small Things. Can everyone say that with me? Come on. The kingdom with small things. We read just a moment ago in Matthew chapter 13, says this, verse 31, says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the what? Smallest of all seeds. Jesus begins by kind of making this comment or this idea that the kingdom starts, it begins with small. Everybody say small. Everybody say itty bitty. Everybody say tiny. Everybody say itty bitty. Okay, thank you. Just making sure you're all away. It's interesting because Jesus, who's speaking proverbial here, he basically says kind of like you and I when we make a comparison that someone is as wise as an owl or as strong as, a, as an ox, Right? Jesus says the kingdom is small like a mustard seed. And a mustard seed at that time, according to farmers and for those who were planting plants or herbs in the garden, it was the smallest of seeds. In fact, you can see this is actually dill weed or mustard seed. This is a field of that. This is what the seeds look like compared to the plant that grows. And this is the size of a mustard seed. A small seed. Now, it's not the smallest of all seeds in the world. There are other types of seeds, not herbs, but the orchid is the smallest of all seeds. It's much smaller than a mustard seed. The point, though, that Jesus is making is simply this, and I think it's very profound, and it's simply, God can use small, seemingly insignificant things to accomplish great things. 
It doesn't take something big to accomplish something big. With God, he can take something small and he can do something great. Remember the story of Gideon. The army was massive that they had to fight against and God whittled it down to just 300 men and God took 300 men, something so small and he did something so great. He defeated the enemy. In fact, 1 Corinthians 1.28 tells us that God loves to take things that are considered nothing or small and confound the wise. So what I want to do is I want to take a verse that kind of ties into this small things and talk about it for a second. It's found in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 4, and here's what it says. This is really interesting. It begins by saying, do not, what's the next word? That was pretty good. Let's get everybody involved. Do not what? What are we not supposed to despise? Do not despise these small beginnings. And I love this next line. For the Lord rejoices. Did I just whistle? Did you hear that? Whew. It was the Holy Spirit. He just blew through right now. You didn't know the Holy Spirit whistled, did you? Okay. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. God loves to see small beginnings. He loves small things. Now, here's what's interesting. God loves to take little things and make them great, right? We just learned that a minute ago. But he says this. He says, if that's going to happen, you can't despise. Now, the word despise in the Hebrew here, here's what it means. It means to disrespect. How many know that if you disrespect something, what you're really doing is you're disregarding it because it has no value to you. You don't give it any credence. You don't give it any attention because you're disrespecting, you're despising. That's what the word despise means. You know, I'll give you an example. And um, I was driving down the freeway the other day and I had to get somewhere and we were in a hurry and my son Hudson was in the car with me. We're driving along, we're driving, you know, down the freeway and I'm distracted. How many of you, when you're talking on the phone, find it's difficult to talk on the phone and do something else at the same time? Or at least effectively. I mean, have you ever tried to talk on the phone and get your grocery list in the, in the grocery store? I mean, you, know, you wander around for hours if you're a man. I mean, you're wandering around three hours later. Devet's like, where are you? It's hard for me to do. And so I'm talking on the phone. And as I'm talking on the phone, driving down the freeway, I kept feeling this tap on the shoulder. And I'd hear, dad, dad. But I was on an important call. And in a sense, I was despising because I was disregarding that tap on the shoulder. And eventually, that tap turned into a shove and it said, Dad, you just missed our exit. <laughs> now, some of you are like, what does that have to do with anything? Well, I just wonder if there are often times in our lives where you and I are going through life and God is... Dad, mom, mom, dad. And there's these small things that the Spirit is saying. Maybe it's to go and pray for someone across the, the room at the cubicle uh, catty corner to yours. Or maybe it's to make that phone call or send that text. Or maybe it's to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and I'm going to serve. I'm going to get involved and use my gift. How many times are we dismissing or despising the small things that God is trying to say? And because of that, we end up missing the great things that God is wanting to do when he releases his kingdom in our lives. And that's good preaching, Amen. 
preaching, Pastor Jerry. Let me show you a really cool verse. It says in Luke 16, verse 10, it says, if you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. Could it be that we're not walking into the breadth and height and the, the immense greatness of God's perfect plan for us in the big because we've despised and forgotten that the kingdom begins with small things. I love this quote. It simply says this. It's often the small things no one sees that result in the big things everybody wants. I want to tell you today that it It's the small things. The kingdom of God begins small. And sometimes we discount the small things. I I was reminded of a story that I read about this man by the name of Telemachus back in the the time of Rome. He was out in the middle of the wilderness as kind of a holy man, considered a hermit. And one day he got a tap on the shoulder, this leading from God to go to Rome. And so he followed that small little voice that spoke to him, go to Rome. And he got to Rome. And Rome at this time was a nominally Christian nation. But in this Christian nation, they still had gladiator games where men basically tore each other apart. And the crowd, they would cheer in in lust for blood. Telemachus found his way to the, the Colosseum and went in and watched one of these gladiator events. And he was, he was watching these men tear each other apart and kill each and slaughter each other. He thought to himself, aren't these men also children of God? Moved by this prompting, he jumped up out of his seat and he ran and jumped in the arena. And he jumped between the, the gladiators and he was thrown to the side. But he wouldn't be dissuaded. They, he jumped back in the middle again and they threw him to the side. And people started shouting at him and throwing stones at him. But he wouldn't be dissuaded and he jumped back in the middle again. And suddenly the, the command was given, the sword flashed in the sun, and Telemachus was killed in the arena. And when that happened, suddenly a hush came across the crowd when all 80,000 people realized that a holy man had just been killed. When they realized what had taken place, they slowly began to leave the Colosseum, and the Colosseum never filled up again, and there was never another gladiator event in Rome's history. Because God can take a small thing, and he can make it great. What is the small thing? Maybe for you, your mentality is, well, I can't do that. What can I do? I'm just, I'm just an accountant. What can I do? Maybe God has given you a gift with numbers because there's a thing, a small thing that he wants you to do that with his kingdom can become a great thing. Maybe it's being able to encourage someone on a soccer field. Maybe it's teaching someone. Maybe it's giving a hug to a preschool child. What is the small thing that we've despised, that we've forgotten? Can I tell you something? God has a vision. That's why this church is called Higher Vision. He has a vision for you. And if you and I could just find the God vision that he has for us, those small things that he's invested in us, God can turn into big things. In fact, when we begin to catch that vision, here's the cool thing. Ephesians 3.20 says, God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above what you could even ask or imagine. What is waiting on the other side? of those small things. 
or have we despised them? And rather than that small thing, hey, give those tithes to God. I want to use that for my kingdom. We discount it. The kingdom of God begins with small things. Y'all there say amen. amen. Let's go to the second point. The second point in this passage is the kingdom releases big things. Say that with me. Ready? The kingdom releases big things. Now, I know this sounds, again, very simple, but let's go to what Jesus went on to say. He talks about the small seed, right? The mustard seed. And then he said, it's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the what? The largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree. Now, in those days, the mustard seed was known to grow very large. It was the largest um, plant in the garden. In fact, historically, we have record of people saying in their writings that horse and rider were riding under the branches of the mustard seed. In other words, this plant had the ability to grow to be 12 to 15 feet in height. How many know that's a big plant? So this plant that was so small, it was amazing. It, it expanded on a a huge scale. In fact, I read somewhere, and I can't remember, but something like, I think it's 185 mustard seeds can come from one mustard seed. Think of the plants. And when you think about the kingdom, that's exactly what we've seen with the kingdom of God. It started with one man on a cross. And today, with 7.4 billion people on the planet, according to Pew Research, now there is somewhere between 2.4 or 2.2 and 2.5 billion people around the planet that identify themselves as a Christian. The kingdom of heaven has grown from a small seed into something great. Somebody say amen to that. The reality is that is a picture because the kingdom of God is in you. What is busting at the seams, ready to grow and expand? It's interesting because Jesus doesn't just use the mustard seed to explain this, this great growth of big things, but he uses Matthew chapter 33, or 13, verse 33, and he goes on to explain it a different way. He says, Jesus also used the illustration, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast, a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in the three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. How many here like dough? Anybody like cookie dough ice cream? How many like dough nuts? Come on. You're nuts if you don't like dough nuts. I get one every Sunday morning. If you go by a bakery, it smells wonderful. But Jesus said that The kingdom is like yeast. Now, let's talk about yeast for a minute. Yeast has a few different meanings in the Bible. One meaning for yeast is bad. It's it's the meaning of sin or uncleanness. In fact, remember at the, the, um, the exodus when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt and the death angel came and they celebrated the Passover because the death angel passed. Here's what they said. Here's what God said. When you celebrate this festival for seven days, you're going to sacrifice a lamb and and the blood will be shed and you'll eat the lamb as a meal together with the family and you're to make sure that the bread you eat has no yeast. If it has yeast, it's going to rise. If it has no yeast, it's going to be flat like a cracker. In fact, remove all the yeast out of your home for those seven days because yeast represents sin 
or uncleanness. Now, here's what's really interesting. I just want to show you a little, just a little insight into God and how amazing he is. Because here's what he said about yeast and about the sacrifice. In Exodus chapter 34, he says this, you must not offer the blood of my sacrifice or sacrificial offerings together with any baked foods containing yeast. In other words, when the sacrifice and the blood is shed for the sacrifice to, you know, to cover the sin, make sure there's no yeast or sin or uncleanness connected with my offering. Now think 2,000 years forward, when Jesus stood up and said, I am the bread of life. And the bread of life, who we know was without sin, without yeast, went to the cross, his blood was shed, and the sacrifice was given without yeast so that you and I could be without yeast, we could be without sin. Somebody say amen, isn't that cool? God knew what he was doing. He had a plan. But let me say, yeast doesn't just represent something negative. In this story, the yeast represents something good. God related the kingdom to yeast. Now, I began to think about it. If he was going to do that, why didn't he relate the kingdom to like an avocado? I love avocados. Anybody love avocados? Come on, if you're going to get a sandwich, it's better with avocado. Come on, if you're going to go to the Mexican restaurant... You got to get some chips and salsa with some guacamole. Come on, amen? Why didn't he say the kingdom of God is like an avocado? Or why didn't he say the kingdom of God is like a tomato? Right? Tomato, tomato, avocado, avocado. Oh, sorry. I've tried that joke three times and nobody's laughed because it's so bad. Why did he choose yeast? I think the reason he chose yeast is because of the properties of yeast. Because the properties of yeast are that it permeates whatever it comes into contact with. And that's the power of the kingdom. It has to spread. It has to grow. It will work its way. In fact, let's look at the end of time and look at how the yeast affects the world. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14 says, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. You see, the end will not come until the yeast, until the kingdom has affected every single part of the globe, every part of the planet. Somebody say amen, isn't that cool? good news of that is, listen, even though there are places and parts of your dreams and your life where you feel like God can't get to, the yeast gets everywhere. You can't keep it out. If you just bring that part of your life into contact with God's word, with God's principles, it'll work its way in. It'll affect your life. The kingdom Though it's small in the beginning, it grows to something big. It reminds me of a small seed that was planted, Dad, by a 17-year-old boy who had a call of God in his life, who was a part of a church his whole life. God, Dad, called him out and said, go across town. His name was Wayman Ming Sr. And he went across town to a little Pentecostal church of God that was planting, planted by a woman there in that city that didn't have a youth pastor. And he... 
felt the call of God and he went to be their youth pastor and he began to teach young kids about the gospel and then God called him onto the the evangelistic field and he began traveling throughout the states preaching the word of God at the age of 18 until he was 20 and then and after doing that and seeing people get saved and lives being changed people experiencing the fullness of the spirit he went to Bible college and he met his wife by the name of Karen and they the the seed began to grow and and they began to to to, to study but they left before they graduated to take a church in, um, somewhere in Kansas, I think it was, and they began to preach the word there, and then they ended in Michigan where there was a, a ministry to young people all across the state, and they began teaching young men and young women about the kingdom of God, and suddenly missionaries were being raised up, and pastors were being raised up, and leaders were being raised up, and now there are churches, and there are ministries, and missions, organizations all over the world because of this one little seed, and then, and then they had some kids, and they were handsome. And, uh, and the oldest one, his name was Wayman, and he felt the call of God. And he went to, to Joppa, Missouri. And when he got there, he, he, he started working in a Bible college and then went and took over a little church. And it began to grow and thrive and grew to over a thousand people. And they began sending out missionaries and building missions and orphanages and churches all over the world. And then the middle son, he felt the call of God in his life. And he got the tap dad and he moved to a city called Valencia, California and thousands of people now have found Jesus Christ. In fact, it's exploding and growing and there's Santa Paula and we just got word that a building's been given to us in Blythe, California and we have a young minister in our church that's going to go to Blythe and take that work and it's growing overseas and in places like today and Hollywood and Modesto and Lake Forest and Newark and and, uh, Chicago and Wichita just from one little seed. How many know God can release something great. Amen. What's waiting on the other side of that small thing? Matthew chapter 17. I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed. But Pastor Jared, I'm not a, I don't have a theological degree and I don't, I don't understand everything in the Bible. Just, I don't have a lot of faith. Just the size of a mustard seed that's all it takes you could say to a mountain something big move from here to there and it would move nothing would be impossible nothing is impossible with God when you understand that the kingdom begins with small things. Don't, don't despise the small things. Have the courage to say, okay, God, take this small thing and watch him release something big. Somebody say amen. amen. Here's the third and last point. The last thing in this passage is the kingdom is attractive. The kingdom is attractive. Let's read what it says. It says there's a little seed. It grows into a big seed. This tree, this, this, this plant grows and is massive. And then it goes on to say this. And when it does, birds come and make nests in the branches. The devil wants to tell you when you think about the kingdom, ah, the kingdom is for the birds. But that's true. The kingdom is for the birds. I have all kinds of birds in my backyard. 
They fly all over because I have all these bushes. They fly around. I've got hummingbirds. I don't know what the other kind of birds are. I'm not a bird connoisseur. In fact, is that even correct? I'm not a bird watcher. Birds are flying all over my backyard. They fly here, they fly there. And here's the thing about birds. They don't have a home. They're flying around everywhere just trying to get food, just trying to make it through the night, trying not getting eaten by a bigger bird or an animal. They don't really have a place to rest. They might land on a branch and stay there a little bit, but you can't stay forever. But the Bible says that when the kingdom grows, that the birds make nests. Now, hear what the, the word nest means in the Greek there. It means to camp down, to lodge. But here's the part I like. It means to rest. And every spring in my backyard, under the patio, these homeless birds that are flying around decide, I'm tired of flying around. I need a place to rest so that I can reproduce more. And so they build one of these in my patio. Sometimes I don't like the birds <laughs> because they chirp early in the morning. But I don't tear down the nest because it's the place that they rest and these little baby eggs are there and, and they turn into beautiful little birds and the birds fly off. And it made me begin to think about it, that how often are there people in our lives who are flying around back and forth, struggling for peace, struggling for rest, and they don't have it and they're looking for something that's attractive that they can come to and they can find peace, they can find rest. In fact, it reminds me of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you. How many people are flying around you? An unsaved co-worker, a person going through sickness, a family experiencing divorce, a family member going through bankruptcy. Someone just making bad decisions. But because we've despised small things, they don't see anything attractive enough in us to be drawn to say, could I just get a little closer here? Could we have coffee? Could I know a little bit more about, could I just find some rest? The birds are waiting on the the kingdom in you. Our city is waiting on the kingdom in you. But we'll never see it as long as we despise small things. I want to end with a thought and a story. This passage we read a moment ago, do not despise small beginnings. If you rewind just a few verses before Zechariah chapter 4, verse 4, here's what you find. You find this verse, and many of us have heard this verse, and I love this verse. It is not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now, what is he talking about? The context there is his temple. 
which you know that you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the, we house the kingdom. So we really could say this is a representation of the kingdom. And here's basically what he says. He says, if you won't despise small things, big things are coming. But here's the thing you need to not worry about. If you think it's through your ability, if you think it's through your effort, if you think it's through your hard work, you're going to be disappointed. But when you just rest and understand that if you surrender to my small things, it's my spirit at work within you that will cause the kingdom, that will cause the the temple to grow and be rebuilt. No matter what obstacle, no matter who stands in your way, when you understand my kingdom, I can build it in In a cemetery, and I want the worship team to come, in a cemetery in Hanover, Germany, is a grave on which were placed huge slabs of granite and marble cemented together, and listen to this, and fastened with heavy steel clasps. It belonged to a woman who did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. Yet strangely, she directed in her will that her grave be made so secure that if there were a resurrection, it could not reach her. On the marker were inscribed these words, this burial place must never be opened. But what they didn't know is when they built this grave, a seed had fallen into the ground underneath it. And slowly, over years and years, the seed began to grow. And this little tiny seed pushed its way up through the ground and through the crack in the cement until the, the, the trunk began to grow to the point that it literally broke the, the cement and the slabs of marble away from each other and snapped the steel clasps that were holding it there. One seed broke through anything that tried to stop what God can do. And can I tell you that it doesn't take a a theology degree, it doesn't take a, a high intellect, it doesn't take the most talent, it just simply takes a little tiny bit mustard seed size faith and if you'll quit despising what God has put inside of you, if you'll just uh, awaken your heart to realize that he's placed it in you, God by his power not by how smart you are or how strong you are, but by his power he can work up through everything the devil has put in your way to stop the kingdom with God all things are possible, there are big dreams, there are big promises there are things waiting on the other side of that small thing in your life if you'll just begin to awaken your heart quit dismissing quit disregarding quit disrespecting that seed, that kingdom, that dream there's some people here, God has put dreams in your heart the devil has caused you to think. He's put clasps over it and caused you to think, ah, that'll never happen. Ah, that's just, you're just in your head. You're, you're thinking of things that will ne- never happen and never take place. It just takes a seed because the kingdom begins with small things.
what great things and also what birds are circling today trying to find hope trying to find peace because they're waiting on the seed in you I want you to close your eyes